What's up, gamers? Uh, welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 39. Hexile. Hexile. Oh, 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 I just. I, yeah, we just spent like 20 minutes trying to come up with a title, and I just did it right there. No, this will be Hex Ed. Are the Exile Dead your appalling end? Uh, for anyone that isn't familiar, the Battle Mallet podcast is the journey of four busy gamers, uh, their annual journey to the Nova Open Convention, playing games that they love, and balancing life with those games. My name is Jared Johnson. Tonight, I am joined by Trace Hyde. What's up? And Jason Tabled Noob Murray. My tooth hurts. You don't have any teeth. Oh. Dintelos. That dentist. That took dentist. them all away. Yeah, so uh, we're going to break from our recent trend in Hexhead episodes. Uh, we have been playing with and against the Exile Dead a lot, and there have been a lot of conversations in the community around the Exile Dead, so we thought that it would be worth it to break from our traditional Rivals slash Rivals Plus format uh, and talk about championship format because it looks like the Exile Dead are really going to shape the meta for the near future. Uh, so we wanted to just record an episode, talk about some of the strengths of the Exile Dead, uh, and then maybe some tech that you can take uh, not to you know lean against them, but some thoughts and plans and ideas that you can use regardless of the warband that you've chosen to play in a championship event um, to kind of give you uh, an edge against the Exile Dead. But uh, since we skipped this in the last episode, we do want to take some time to catch up with what everybody has been up to lately in the hobby gaming life front. So uh, so with that, Trace, what you been up to, buddy? Uh, so I've had a little change of pace i've actually been um setting up a new computer and some other input devices to hopefully start bringing you guys some painting content at some point soon so um i'll be actually um creating youtube videos and probably streaming a little bit um hopefully having some hangouts with these guys too um so that's what i've been working on been trying to get the stream set up and all the overlays and stuff set up nicely and make, testing camera angles and audio and all this other fun stuff so that's what i've been up to that's awesome man yeah you uh you showcased your your little iphone as a webcam hack the other night uh yeah. when we were hanging yeah. out and i was super impressed like the the yeah. autofocus and just the clarity of of that setup for um, like a simple stream looks pretty good so i'm excited to see what you're able to put together yeah i think it'd be fun yeah yeah jason what about you guys yep i'm just trying to find it figure out why my mic is hot hot on all the time i don't know what sound i got going on here so i apologize but uh thought it was the roomba downstairs guess it's not because the door is closed so uh, but from a hobby standpoint, I mean, I put together all the Underworlds Warbands, so um, Skitter Shank, right? I got that one right. Yep. And then the uh, Shadow Elves and Exile Dead. I put together, um, oh, comes with uh, Mystique in Marvel Crisis Protocol. It's an X-Men person. Beast? Oh, yeah. Put yeah. together Beast. That was... That was fun. Nice. 
book or no uh, book? Uh, no book, because you you went book. So trying to make sure that mine are different than oh. anyone else's okay. in the group. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then I got Glass- some glasses or no glasses. No glasses. Oh, then ours are the same. You failed. Oh, well, dang! Is yours painted and posted? Then how was I supposed to know that? It's it's fine. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> Um, but then other than that, I did get some Marvel Christmas Protocol stuff painted back from Justin, who picked up a little side project, and I got Thor, Hulkbuster, Iron Man, and Ghost Rider, which uh, Justin loved painting Hulkbuster. My favorite is Ghost Rider. What he did with the flames was uh, phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, other than that, just getting a ton of Underworlds games in. Uh, we had the meetup, so I've been playing a lot of Rivals locally trying to get that beautiful pirate onto the table and playing with him with maze breachers so believe it or not i think maze breachers works really well for him i've had some pretty i won't call it success but closer games than what would have been with his own faction deck uh and then um i also played a rivals plus game but i gotta go back i put too much too much faith in the minions and the minions just died um, and yeah. Buccaneer missed like every every attack in my Rivals Plus game, uh, but it's nice to get them on the get them on the table. And the funny thing is, is to this point I have 15 attack actions with my minions or companions that could had an opportunity to light finger, and guess how many have been successful? Zero. I well it, until the other night, yes, two two out of 15. I've gotten two to go through and get an extra ammo token. I mean, I've been rolling like double crits or three hits and single crit defense. It's just been, it's been hilarious when put in the position to light finger how often I fail. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad they're seeing the table though, because uh, yeah, when we talked about them originally, we were not too hot on their, on their rivals deck so it's good it's cool to see that the maze breachers deck is uh is able to do some work for them i think i scored in most games with the straight rivals deck i scored 10 objectives and 11 objectives okay and if he hits like i mean he's just like any other big boy right like yeah it's while one of the games he was actually taken out round one and i was able to tie the game 11 11 i did lose because the other person was standing in an objective but you know it's okay yeah that's not bad yeah so um i have not been able to get as many games in as i would like uh i uh, went to san diego for my sister's wedding and then i got COVID, and then i recovered from that and then i traveled to boston for work uh well after the cdc guidelines for infection and recovery for anyone that that matters to um and so but i have been able to play online uh i started with zandire's truth seekers in the online league uh and promptly lost my first two games that worked out pretty well huh yeah it did so uh those definitely went back on the virtual shelf uh it would worked out that it was right after the exile dead were released and i started playing those uh and managed to squeak out two wins um with those uh one of those wins came down to game three because of a cheeky uh daylight robbery cheeky Cheeky we're calling it cheeky now it was cheeky it was a cheeky daylight robbery 
Um, that was a fun little moment. That oh, it was definitely... a, it was a moment that I went sideways on. Yeah, yeah. I would apologize, but but you won't. I won't. No, no need to. You play yeah. within the confines of the game, and it didn't. I mean, it won you the game, but it, it did. Yeah, just irritated my soul. Yeah. And it was one of those situations where I think that if it had not gone off, the game would have gone significantly differently. But we'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. Well, somebody would have ditched objectives, too. Instead of being greedy, I probably would have went another mm-hmm. way, too. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, but with that, on the hobby side, I'm I, I'm about 30% finished painting the Exile Dead. So I built all of the, the new war bands. Um, but just with travel for work and not feeling great, have not had as much time at the painting table as I would have liked, but hopefully that will change soon since the war band that I set decided to paint first is the most powerful war band in the game right now. Are they though? No, I don't think that's entirely true, but they're strong. And as we said, I think that they're shaping the meta and that's why we wanted to record. So they're a bug bear. They are a bug bear. They're they're definitely they're at least a gatekeeper in the meta um, for competitive events. Like you're gonna have to have a plan to deal with them at some point in whatever your championship journey is. So yeah, so I think with that um, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about how awesome the Exiled Dead are. And we're back. And I am going to take the reins on this segment. And you boys better watch out. Because those those exiled dead are coming for you. And let's talk a little bit of reason, a little about why these guys are such a problem right now. Do you guys have any insight for the masses out there as to exactly what the problem is with, with these folks right now? Well, I think I know, but I mean, well, who am I? Just some talking head. <laughs> just a voice coming through the ether. So no, I you know I think that's a great point. Just to you know we're diverging from our normal rivals, rivals plus. But I think mm-hmm. what we've kind of put the foundation of this podcast in is and it, it, to include everybody and make sure that everyone is aware and look out for the casual player. Um, even though sometimes we all go. A little competitive so this episode i think was needed just to inform people about exile dead because it seems to be very polarizing like we have not seen a warband in underworlds like this since in my opinion Molog. in the fact that just how much emotion it brings into the game and i think it's because they this warband in its design really disrupt the basic rules of the game so much a lot of warbands will break a basic rule once you know like i didn't deepkin you can double move and turn in turn one and turn three right that kind of breaks um breaks what the norm would be well the exile dead as we'll talk about have a lot of strength strengths that leverage with the outside the confines of those rules so We've seen this before, though, with and it seems to be a trend with the undead warbands in particular, right? So, like, you know, uh, the Briar Queen is a perfect example. Like, they were also a 
point of topic for several seasons um, because of how efficient they were with their movement. And especially when objective play came into play, they, they were a hot topic. So I think that it's surprising to me that this keeps happening with these particular death war bands and how efficient they are. This seems to be a very, it seems to be an efficiency problem um, more than anything. So, um, Jared, what do you think? Do you, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it just piggybacks off of what Jason was saying that because, yeah. because they do so many things that tap into the, but my card says rule in the rule book that breaks <laughs> right. out of the normal action yeah. chain activation chain um it it just it means that it's a it's a more complex problem to solve when you're a playing them because i think that there was a mild ramp up to mm-hmm. to to them actually coming up to the four in the competitive scene uh and then uh, certainly when you're when you're playing against them um right so we just want to make sure you know jason you were saying we want to make sure that we're looking out for kind of the casual gamer um, to kind of intercept this disruptive warband and, and put something out there that hopefully helps to level the playing field. Yeah, right. we're we're managing through change, right? That's my my whole job is to manage through change. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, right. I'm trying to equip you yeah. to manage through this change. Yeah, nice. Well, we appreciate that. So let's let's um let's talk about some of the strengths of this warband in particular and kind of what you guys feel. Um, that if you're playing them, you should lean into, or if you're if they are across the table from you, what you should expect to be some common trends as far as what they're bringing to to uh, to combat you. Yeah, I think we'll just start with the biggest one, and we covered it in a previous episode, so I won't read the whole card in particular. But doing the zombie dance, yeah. So the dance dance allows you to move the horde or attack with the horde all in the same activation. Um, but really what we're seeing players start to leverage out of this is the fact that the exile dentist or Dantelos, uh, for <laughs> whoever you guys want to call him, but he'll always be the, the dentist to me, uh, has stagger, a range three attack with uh, stagger. Um, it's a magical attack and that range three and you typically will, if you're attacking, go with him first and try to stagger the target which then, if you do, gives the rest of the zombies overload, overload if they are inspired still, which gives them additional damage. Yeah, right. Yeah, so not yeah. only do you hit that stagger for additional accuracy, right? Because they've got their two dice on, on Furies, right? So it's not a very accurate attack. But as soon as you throw stagger in there and you roll one success, well, now you've you re-roll the other one and you know you're fishing for another crit or fishing for another success it makes a huge difference so not only are you adding that accuracy but now with overload everybody gets to add plus one damage it's yeah it can be painful when those when those subsequent zombie attacks hit there's some multiplicate multiplicative uh gaining of power through this particular mechanic yeah for sure um and if I'm not mistaken, isn't there something that doesn't during the dance mechanic? Isn't there something that re- removes um, reactions? Correct. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just it's not just the dance dynamic. It's the puppeteer action too. So whether you're doing multi actions 
with Dintelos or multi-actions with Markov, your opponent, neither you nor your opponent can react during those. And so all of those defensive reactions that exist, you know, the, the damage mitigations reactions where you can say discard wild counters to remove damage or discard hunger counters mm -hmm. to remove damage, or you can, uh, you know, just reduce damage by one because of a reaction on your card, whatever the case is, none of those are an option. You or can't attack back or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, none of that becomes an option and it, and it works itself out too, because now I can't react if I'm the exile dead player. So I'm not being, I'm not able to react with all of the cards that might add damage. You know, there are cards out there where if you roll a crit with your attack, you can do a, an additional damage after the attack. Um, there are cards where supporting fighters can add damage or, or whatever the case is. Um, but I mean, we, we're not going to list them because they don't matter because you can't do them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the, and the dance dynamic is, is leaning into efficiency, but uh, there's also Regulus has some, some built in efficiency too, doesn't he? So he can multi-charge um, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. So the Mar Markov's puppeteer, and again, we covered this in the rivals review, but if you puppeteer Regulus can, charge multiple times in a turn and you know at a range two two hammer um attack it's very efficient and it often can get the glory train started or as we'll talk about and some things that you may want to do he's a pretty darn good backfield um mitigator right so like if someone he's does like get a backfield bully yeah, yeah like he 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 can come up in support when when need be but that's when I where I've seen him play the best is you know kind of um, beating up around the backfield. So. Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, so what's crazy about this is okay, so dance dynamic, you can either move or attack with five fighters. Mm -hmm. Puppeteer, you can take any action with Markov and then any action with Regulus, which is already potent, right? It's already breaking that activation economy. Both of those actions allow you to bring back an out-of-action fighter in addition to whatever you've done. So if there's a conducted minion out of action, Dintelos can bring him back. And if Regulus is out of action, then uh, Markov can use his action. He could move and bring back Regulus, or he could even charge and bring back Regulus. Um, so it is, uh, it is definitely a strength. Yeah. It can feel kind of oppressive a little bit. Like no. you feel like you've done all this work and you've dodged all these attacks and then you actually get something to connect and then boom, the dude that you killed is just right back in action, which is. Yeah. yeah. And I want to flip that script because I've definitely been there, Trace. There have been games where it is turn three. I've just fought. I'm like dripping sweat from rolling dice. Mm -hmm. Right. And I fought all game and I look across the board in the entire seven fighter warband is Still back there. on the board, right? Yeah. And they can feel oppressive. But I you know what happened this week is you know what? That's fine. That's fine that you have seven fighters still on the board. I'm just gonna farm some more glory. Yeah. So you're yeah. just bringing that fighter back so I get yep. more glory. Thank you. You go ahead and do that. Bring it back. Right. Bring it back. Yeah. Just bring Come them on back. Yeah. yeah. I mean and that's that's a great point to bring up. Um, so in addition to being able to kind of pad your glory count by having fighters come back, even though you're, like you said, you're dripping sweat, 
Um, so you're going to get, when you're playing against this warband, you're going to have an opportunity to score a lot of kill glory, which is great. But what about objectives? Like, what are you, what are they doing to try and, what are they trying to score? And what are some things that you can do as, as the opponent to kind of stem the tide and help pad your glory in addition to all those kills that you're getting? Yeah, so there's a ton of new uh, objectives, and we didn't cover these. Like, we haven't covered them on this podcast because we're looking at things from a rival and rivals plus perspective. But um, two two objectives that are new that are out there. There's ever downwards, and this is a hybrid. It's score immediately after you delve three times in a power step, or if you delve one time with your leader in a power step and your leader's in enemy territory. Right? I got that right, Jason. I don't have it pulled up. So one glory. Um, Easy for easy in either case, if you've got Dintelos push forward and he delves, or you've got the move to get your your minions, three minions onto feature hexes, and they can delve, right? Boom, you're done. Um, and then sudden revelation, which is delve twice in a power step. Doesn't matter where. Um, and the important note here is that you can delve a feature token that is a cover hex on both sides. So oh, yeah. It still counts as a delve. It's in the rule book, so you you just flip it to another cover hex, but it still counts as the delve. It still counts as a flip. Um, and so, I mean, those are two easy surges that can be scored in one activation. And then there are others. I mean, there's the you know the standbys, the horrors in the dark, impending doom, alternating strikes. You know, I think actually we've ended up covering all of those in various means. But I mean, that's five surges that you don't have to kill anything. You don't even need successful attacks for any of those. And, yeah, and, and there are just, more out there. Yeah, you just yeah. and then you just add salt and pepper to taste for yep. whatever you're trying to do. With and that's just the surges. So that's five yeah. really good surges. So, Jason, what about end phase? Well, just, I mean, just the comment on the surges, a lot of people are using those, except alternating yeah. strikes, because that is a faction specific. But a lot of people are trying to do the same thing. So this new inner injection of objectives into championship has made search scoring quicker and easier than it ever has been it's just that the with this particular warband and the efficiency it doesn't disrupt what you're trying to do yeah um and then for end phase they have um lots for being on cover and feature hexes which is where the meta is kind of going anyway is like we're moving away from straight objective feature tokens where people want to be um, controlling a feature token or a cover feature token. And then the biggest thing with them that I didn't see coming, even when we did kind of the rivals review is they have this lumbering aggro, right? Where they're just, they like capture the aesthetic so great. Like they're zombies, just uh, brains, right? Like coming at you. Well, there's a lot of cards that score if they outnumber you in your territory or you're not in, in their territory. Like they want to be in enemy territory and have no one from the opposing warband in friendly territory. Yeah. Like me locker, which is the one that we've discovered or discussed before in rivals, but lengthening shadow, which is come comes out of the illusionary might uh, pack. Then there's um, lurking death, master of the abyss path to death, which are um, some of those are death specific cards, but they all have the same flavor. You either want to stand on a cover hex in enemy territory or be in enemy territory. Yeah. So one of the ways to get around this, and we'll cover it more in depth as we go through how to mitigate them, but is to to play on their side of the board, which is harder done than said. Yes. 
for sure. So I think I think that's a good segue though. So we let's we've kind of talked about the things that make them strong from you know the fighter cards and their move tech and the being able to activate multiple times with you know Regulus and some other these other other fighters that their efficiency and then also how the current card pool aids them in what they want to do. So now that we've talked about those things, let's talk about kind of the things that you want to be thinking about to try and beat them um, as consistently as possible. You know, obviously player skill is going to come into this, but we can try and give you some tools to help you mitigate some of these things. So let's start with board placement. Um, Are you, like, are you offsetting? Are you longboarding? What are you guys thinking? Is there a favorite board you have for these for these guys if you're going up against them? So, Jason, you've played against them more than I. I mean, I've played with them a lot, but you've played against them. So I, I'm going to kind of. So what are you looking at when you play with them? What are you trying to put down? If you're putting down, if you're picking engagement, what are you trying to pick, Jared? So I want to I want. Um, so if I have to put a board down first. No, if you're putting the second board, if you're laying out the battlefield. Okay, yeah. So if I get to lay out, if I get to choose my engagement, um, I'm probably going to go, I don't know if I go full offset, but a slight offset to help keep you out of my territory. Um, And then I'm just going to stack as many starting hexes close to that offset as I can. Uh, Because I want to get into your territory so that you have to deal with me in your territory and you can't get back to me in my own territory. Um, the wide, I, when I first started playing, the wide I thought was the way to go with them. But I, I think, I mean, I, it, I think it gives you too many opportunities to get to me and too many opportunities to kind of dodge the zombie horde. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I, I think wide is actually a good defensive play against them. Yeah, so let me just like, and I got that from playing them. I've played them played them a lot trying to figure out and prepare for this episode but um you know well i'll just pick one like chamber of genesis there's two hexes right on the front line on the wide board or the offset board there's one back from the front line and then there's one two back i think the exile dead player is trying to pick a board that has hexes grouped together where they can do one dance and get everyone kind of pushed together and in enemy territory now yeah. remember their move three, there is a card that's mm-hmm. seeing play called Eternal Chase, which makes everyone move four for a turn, a whole turn. So they maybe move four. So Trace, you asked, like, how do I counter this? I'm counting spaces. And I wish there was a hard and fast answer into how I lay out the board, but there's not. I'm gonna look at like if I win board placement, so Jared has to put down first board. I'm going to take that board and I'm going to try to get it where there's the least amount of hexes within two to wherever the board edge is. So if that is wide, that's great. Because ideally wide, like you said, if I'm playing a three, four, or five fighter warband and I place wide, I now can put two to the left, two to the right, mid to back of my board, and then maybe one center if I'm playing a five-man warband, and I want to make him pick. Where are you mm. coming? Are you coming left? Are you coming right? Like, ideally. But if not, if I have to offset, how do I? How I? My goal 
is to make him have to move at least twice to get in a good position to attack me. Whether yeah. that's with Regulus or, you know, or the, the zombie masses. And then Longboard is an option, but you have to be careful with Longboard because he can wall up yep. all the way across. And Dantelos has the range to hit all the way across. But right. with Shadeborn, like Shadeborn who can jump, yeah. Long is really nice because now you're guaranteed two to three moves to get to me. Yeah. Okay. okay. So to kind of feed off that in the normal setup of things, right? We go to our boards. So now when you're placing your objectives, are you you're keeping those hexes in mind, right? So you're trying to you're trying to get those objectives, especially if you're gonna lean into some other alternative styles that may not be popular um, right now. Objectives are going to be crucial. So where are you placing those objectives? Jared, like we, as the as the Exile Dead player, do you care about those objectives? I know that there's some cards in there that you want to flip them, I think, or yeah. potentially stand on them, but where, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I mean, I mean, the feature tokens are important, and I think that's just a, a product of kind of the new cards that have been injected, where I want to be on feature... Feature hexes, feature tokens, or cover hexes. Um, mm. And so my first feature token placement, if I get three, is going to be just on the other side, because um, that gives me a guaranteed right across the line feature token. So either a cover hex or feature token in enemy territory. Um, and then from there, if I can get another one of mine close um, in your territory, then I'm probably going to do that. Um, and then my third one is probably going to stay close to my line so that if you do go after it, I can I don't have to go too far out of your territory to come back and get you or Regulus can be standing right there to, to mess with it. But yeah, but I, I do care. I do care where those feature tokens go. And then my cover hex is either going to go also right across the line or maybe right in no man's land, depending on kind of where other cover hexes or feature tokens are uh, on the board. So, so Jason, yeah. as the opponent, what are you thinking? Yeah, and that's the nice balance of the game, right? So, like, let's say I'm picking, <clears throat> I'm picking the format of the board layout, right? So now Jared automatically gets a really nice placement of the first objective. Then he's going to take his his additional feature token and put it right next. And now I'm in, now I'm playing uphill because he's going to score sudden revelation horrors in the dark with just coming forward, right? right. Um, <clears throat> but if I'm if I'm the counter and I'm placing three hexes, I want to be very clear. If you have a game plan, you're going to leverage the feature tokens for your game plan first. Yes. Definitely. Um, but the second part of that is if I can put it, let's say you have no man's land and then one, two, three. And then that way when I'm putting if I put it like three into my territory and I count back to no man's land, like that means the next objective that he's placing only can be in no man's land or off to one of the sides. Right. So I'm trying to force it again. So he has to move multiple times to get to where he wants to go and that'll wall off. So like, I'll put that objective kind of two or three deep into my territory in a position that pushes his next place back towards no man's land 
or if he jumps over it, now it's buried in the back of my board. If yeah. he doesn't right. jump over it, then I can put one buried in the back of my board. And then I'm probably putting one buried in the back of his board just to make it harder. Knowing that he's then going to place a feature token that will support his um, play space. And then um, I may not place a feature token. So if I'm not playing on the double gloom side feature token, the last like the, you know, the last one you, I get the place, I may just abstain and not put that down. Unless I'm playing cover and feature token play. If I'm playing objective play or aggro, I don't want that additional hex on the board. Nope. Yeah. The the, the additional cover that you get from that is not worth um, how easy that makes kind of the prevalent game plan for the exiled dead to execute. Yeah, that makes sense. You don't want to try and give them an additional defensive tech without any, you know, recourse really. Yeah. And it's not even just defensive tech. It's, you know, another feature token for them to be on. Yeah, and then just keeping track of it. And I know mid-game, sometimes, like, you think that you're on a objective and it's actually just the gloom token or whatever. Yeah. Or so somebody can, plays the card that lets you move to feature, to, feature yeah, tokens, which yeah. is some, one that I've seen played recently that I totally forgot existed. Um, so... Okay. And sorry, and I forgot to mention for for our fan base when we were talking about boards, if I lose the role or Jared is placing picking the battlefield layout and I have to place first board, some specific boards that I might counter with, like like Soul Refractor. Yeah, when you said that one. Yeah. I was like, that's the perfect counterboard. Because <clears throat> now there's like soul, soul that's refractor. That's three block hexes, right? Yes. There's three box hexes, and it's kind of like they're in the center of the board. No matter what way he aligns the board, I'm probably getting three or four hexes backboard. But those blocked hexes that are like right in a triangle in the center of the board, he can now not amass in that area. I might be able to get engagement where I'm fighting one zombie at a time. Yeah. And then the other one would be uh Shahishan Stardile because it has a group of three block Texas again. And no matter what way he aligns it, I probably can use those three hexes to kind of force him in a direction. Yeah. Makes sense. Sorry, not to regress, but no, 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 no that's no, it's important. Absolutely. That's a good that's a good shout. Um so I mean so it sounds like you need to be able to kind of like maneuver around the wall or in Jared's case if he's the player he's trying to maneuver to get people in position. So it sounds like push tech's going to be one of the biggest things that you're going to want to use to to combat these folks, right? There's so many good push cards for the exiled dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they, they have their own that lets you push two conductive minions, two hexes each, center of attention, which is exactly what they want. They want to pull somebody into the middle. I hate that card. You do. You do hate that card. Do you hate it as much as you hate Daylight Robbery, though? Uh, Yeah, probably. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then in Hypnotic Buzz, right? So the classic distraction. I mean, that card doesn't exist anymore. At some point, we're going to be recording this podcast and we're going to say distraction. And somebody's going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so 
the ability to push an enemy fighter in any capacity is, I think, always going to be strong. And especially for this warband where they want to suck you in, where they want to get that. They, so they are very action, like economically efficient when it comes to their actions. But they're still not perfect in that regard. And that what you really want to do is stack attacks. So you don't want like Dintelo shooting and one zombie attacking. You want Dintelo shooting and like three zombies attacking and the only way that you're going to do that is if you can move around somebody that's charged or if you can pull somebody in in the power step um so yeah because they're a key point of the dance is once you make them dance once they're locked into dancing yep so like what i mean by that is they dance everybody gets a move token right so now those individual fighters cannot charge right they cannot move they have to dance. Yes. So I can now control, like not fully control, but I can control engagement or make them burn further activations to get set up. Because they yeah. don't want to burn a dance to, like Jared said, attack with Dantelos and one zombie. They want multiple attacks. Yeah. Um, right. so <clears throat> that's really where you want to pick and choose your uh, your charge actions wisely. Don't give them easy, easy targets. Um, and like you said, there's a ton of push tech for for the zombies. But there's also so, yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna you're gonna bring pushes of your own though. Um, yeah. If you want to try and play these folks, because you want to get out of you want to get out of their grasp, right? Like it's just like yeah. any zombie movie, right? Where you're trying to do everything you can to get out of the out of the swarm. So, Again, what are you bringing? Well, I just love the fact that you made that reference, right? You're in a zombie movie. You want to get out of this worm. This warband yeah. feels exactly like that. It's awesome. Right, yeah. So, I, like, <clears throat> I'm going to bring all the push tech because I always bring all the push tech. So, for designing a list, that does this, these cards don't change the way that I would go about designing a list. But there is one thing, and Jared really capitalized on it, that, you know, I'll list a whole bunch of pushes here in a second, but normally I'm utilizing those pushes to set up my attacks. Jared, how do I want to approach the pushes in this matchup? Yeah, so it's tough. I mean, you're right. So it's it's scary because they're around you and they're in you and they're on top of you. And so instead of using your own pushes to set up your own attacks and your own movement, you actually want to save your pushes to react to any pushes that the exiled dead do because that's where you're getting them your supports and stuff yeah you're you're making them use resources and hopefully dance and do the move action of the dance dynamic more often than they want to because if you can uh you know mirror move off of the last center of attention so they do center of attention they pull your fighter in first then they pull in another zombie well now you mirror move yourself back out and so now they're not adjacent anymore. And so now they either have to burn more gambits to get you back where they want you to do, or they may not have those. So they're going into their activation, and that activation may be another dance, which is way better for you than them getting to attack. So Yeah, okay. Mirror Move is like, I think, it kind of fell out of, so for those that don't know, Mirror Move is in the Essentials pack. 
it is a reaction to a push. So if another fighter is pushed, so it can be any fighter. If let's say Jared pushes my um, uh, Shaborn fighter into his little U trap, I then react with mirror move and I can push any other fighter, but the fighter that was originally pushed in another way. Yep. Um, so if he is center of attention, center of attention, and let's say he's, he selects one of his fighters, he selects I own and pulls me into the center of the, the zombie horde, but maybe he's going to grab one more fighter and pull them in as well. Cause you select I own and you can push everybody within two. Yep. I might want to wait till he selects the other fighter, then go back and select my own fighter because it is different than the one that he just selected yeah. and push myself back out. Yeah. And if, I think, so one thing to note here is with center of attention, you don't have a choice. It's not a, you can it's select one fighter, push all fighters within all fighters. two hexes of that fighter, one hex so that they are closer to closer. the chosen fighter. It's not a can, it's not a may. And so for the Exile Dead players, when you play Center of Attention, push all your other zombies first and then push the other fighter last. Nope. It doesn't matter. So you play Center of Attention, you pick your zombie, I oh, mirror then, move, and yeah, I push and my guy move, away from two. Mirror move your guy away. Yep. No, you're right. Mirror so move, man. Because you have to do it in order. You can't yep. just you can't <clears throat> do all of it at one time. Nice. Yeah. Yep. So is there any other... Uh, there's some other cards too, right? That you can use to kind of get out of dodge. So, <laughs> step between isn't a step between shadows one that allows you to jump between, um, yeah. So, that one, shaded hexes or whatever. That one requires some setup. The one card I don't want to forget before we move on and get out of pushes is confusion. So, confusion has been there for a long time as part of the essentials pack, but like it hasn't seen a ton of play recently but i think this is like a card we're going to see it helps support a lot of objective and feature token play and it can be huge in saving that fighter and getting him out of the zombie horde or because we haven't talked about this yet but the easiest way to beat the zombie horde is to take off the head get yes. rid of the dantelos and a sweet confusion to bring dantelos into a precarious position could be could be big, but more importantly, it's probably going to save you. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it's just the regular ones. You know, you got Hypnotic Buzz, which we've already talked about. Allows you to push one of them. Sidestep, which I think we're taking anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so let me get out of here. Cover of Darkness, especially if you pair that with um, Darkening Stone. <laughs> <laughs> push this. Push this fighter up to two hexes so they are in a cover hex. This fighter is considered to be in the cover hex. So push two hexes wherever you want. Wherever you want. Um, and then any infaction pushes or pushes that that push the uh, opponent or yourself are all like, I was taking them all anyway. Yeah. And it really helped me here. But Jared's yeah. point holds true. Yeah. You just, but you have to use them to, to make the exile dead player waste more cards and more activations i know and it's been a while since i've played pretty hardcore championship play but are those are those cards pretty present even in more aggro decks or is that something that somebody else is going to have to potentially kind of add a couple extra into what they're wanting to do anyway 
I think confusion is probably the one that is going to have to get subbed in. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's going to, I think it serves most play styles now anyway. If you want to be on future tokens, you can confusion your opponent off. If you, you know, like it can, you can set it up so that, you know, you can confusion yourself onto a feature token as an aggro player yep. to get your opponent off. Um, I think I, yeah. the card that we saw a lot of play leading up to these releases was Counter Charge and Brave Companion. Yeah. And yeah. I think confusion can confusion or mirror move can fill that slot because in, mo, in all the other matchups, they're still very effective, but they're not charging you. Nope, that much. Unless Regulus yeah. has really got to go to work. Yeah. So those are are tough tough cards, and then you can't react anyway. So. Yep. You know. Yep. Counter charge yeah. and and brave companion are right out the window. Yep. Yep. Okay, so now that we've, I think we've covered all the pushes. Are we good to well, push step, forward? Yeah. Uh, in the shadows. Okay. <laughs> cool. We already talked about Step Between the Shadows, good. No, All we right. didn't talk about it, but... No, we didn't? No, I you mentioned it, and I went back to Confusion. But it's niche. I... It is so niche. It is. Requires but it's powerful. Setup. If you, You're running Darkening Stone anyway. You should be. Like, everyone should be running Darkening Stone. It puts a fighter in a cover axe. It can't be your leader, but it gives you that innate, you know, double support yep. on defense. It unlocks a ton of cards. It helps score a ton of cards. And now we have step between the shadows, which you can just pull yourself out and put yourself on another cover hex. Yeah. So yeah, could be really cool. Some I some love good teleports. Stuff. Oh yeah. We've we've gone for a couple what? There's only there's been a couple seasons where we've not had a teleport card, right? I um, think we've had one every course season. Course can do it. Well, and there's Beast Trail. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true, the Beast Trail. Ignore me. I'm really rusty. <laughs> but, I so mean, Beast Trail wasn't me. largely taken. It's a good counter to this warband, but I don't think that it has much play in any other sense. So, Right. Yeah. So, so let's get let's get our equipment. Let's go get our stakes and... Well, wait, that's vampires. Sorry. Um, let's go get whatever we need to try and tech to kill these guys. What are we doing to bring the pain to the exiled dead? I need a chainsaw hand. I need a baseball bat with barbed wire. There you go. Well, we'll leave Ash and the Evil Dead out of all this. So let's 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 talk about what we can, what we can actually bring <laughs> oh, <okay>. in Underworlds. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest thing here is range two, range two upgrades, um, all okay. of the spears, the Guardian Glaive, um, just because it keeps you from being adjacent and yet you still get to attack. So you've used all of your push tech to stay out of the horde. But now you're out of position to attack if you've got range one fighters. So those, all of the spears are good. The soul tooth weapon, soul tooth spear, specifically because if they have a move for a charge token, you get a reroll. So that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so soul tooth definitely gained value because of this release. Yeah. Um, and don't forget about phantom spear. Oh yeah, the illusion. The illusion. Free. Little expert tip because you know I'm not that smart of a player, but if you read the little like illusion thing, it says break this uh, upgrade at the end of the action phase. Yep. Well, if you apply those illusions in the end phase, 
they'll last the whole nother turn. The whole turn, Jason? Unless you take damage or selected by a ploy. Yes. Whole other turn. Wow. Just call me Owen Wilson. Wow. Yeah. And, and, I mean, so Phantom Spirit's an illusion, right? It's a free, cost you no glory. So you can put it on. You've not scored anything and it gets you in a good position to attack. It also has cleave. Yeah. I was going to say, cleave is something that would do some work against this warband because they're all, they're all shields, right? All block. Except Markov. Markov is double dodge. Okay. But Dantelos, all the Zharnbis, and Regulus are all on shields. Yep. Cleave is big. So Dark Darts is in play, right? Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, it it doesn't do two damage, so it's not going to kill them, but it's range three. Right. So, I mean, it keeps you even safer. So. Well, doesn't one of the darts have Grievous? Uh... It's the Phantom Darts have Grievous. I think, it, I think it's Phantom. Then it has like there's it like ignores cover. You get an extra die or something with cover. Something. And it has Grievous. <clears throat> but if you're hitting from three away and you're pushing back to four away, even th- even though you're not killing somebody, you can still make them have to uh, making them you're making them move or try and use their pushes to get closer to you to do what they want to do. So yeah. Phantom has uh, Grievous and Seeking, so if they're in yep. a cover hex, they get four dice <clears throat> instead of three. Yep. And fishing, you're on your Grievous, so you're fishing for those crits anyway. And, and if you are checking into that range three plus kind of technology, you could pop in like a cheeky Glory Seeker, right? Glory Seeker yes. is going to be pretty popular anyway. Do you know who really so. likes Glory Seeker? Hmm. Manok with the Morkrow. Because oh, <laughs> that's a right. True, true. There's your range for attack. Mm-hmm. So now what you about, can hit uh, Dintelos behind the back line, and it's oh, got true. Grievous. So, and then what's her face from the the Stormcast Warband too? Right, she's got range for. Oh yeah, and if she's inspired, I think she has Grievous too. Yeah, yeah, she does have Grievous. Stormrider. Yep. 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 The Archer and, from. And, uh, from Ayari. She's got Grievous when she's inspired too, right? She does. She can either <laughs> Grievous or she can Loft and it's range five. Yeah, range five. <clears throat> Which, Ooh. again, you're Spicy. just trying to plinking away. Glory Seeker on that will chip two away. Just yeah. remember now in Nether Maze that Grievous is not a stacking ability. Like Grievous yeah. one is Grievous one, period. Yeah. So like, there's no need for Fighter's Ferocity on those cards that already have Grievous printed right. on them. Um, but yeah, you want that range. So what about Onslane? Who? Get out of here. Onslane? Get I'm out of here. I'm just asking. I'm just trying to get range options. She doesn't have Grievous. She doesn't she's have range Grievous. three. Just take Dark Darts instead. She's range four when she's inspired. She's range four when she's inspired. Is she really? I didn't even yeah. know that. Who knew? <laughs> no one. It's because Jared Poor gave up on Ellingan. And... Yilthari has a range three attack that does two damage when she's inspired. And all you yeah. gotta do is do a little bit of healing. Oh, yeah, okay. they're they're back. They're back. They're back. They're not back. I would love to see somebody be successful with Yilthari's guardians, but challenge accepted. Right. Back back to the upgrades. Back Let to them, back to reality. Range two, range three upgrades. You're probably taking 
some weapon upgrades anyway in your deck. Yep. I understand that they may not be as accurate in all settings because, you know, you'll have the swords that have three. Yep. But, you know, switching to spears or soul tooth or some other of the like that gets you a little more range and better, better uh, damage, definitely looking to add those in. Glory Seeker, you know, good stuff. And then even on range two, if you're just focusing on the range two, like all the other damage yeah. adds Great strength. to it. Great strength is your in your pocket. Yeah, you yeah. might and you might need to double down on that because if they play their card where they're reducing damage by one with the with they're within two of Danalos, you might need a a damage upgrade to get through. Yep. What about push upgrades? <clears throat> Yeah, yeah so I th- push upgrades. Yeah, I think that this is where uh, you can really take it to the next level. Soundless Step, Duelist Speed. So both of those cards that let you react after, react and push after, and attack after your activation. So you attack with the spear, push away. So trying to get them to burn more actions to get close to you again. Yeah. Just trying to you're trying to kind of mitigate that efficiency that they have, just kind of innate, which is great. Yeah. Um, that, go ahead, Jason. Sorry. I mean, and at this point, you know, like we're putting a lot of time and effort and tech into pushes, how to damage them, how to kill them. And I just want to put out there for reference, like in a lot of my games, I'm not scoring all my objectives. And in particular, one game I scored six, which is half of my objective hand. Had I scored seven, I would have won. But in this particular game, I scored six, and I still scored 18 glory. Yeah. So, like, part of playing into this warband is you might not be able to turn through your objective hand, but remember that if you kill the zombies, you get glory. Yep. Yeah, I think, yeah, there was one of our games, I think you killed seven total zombies. They're still on the board (laughs) at the end of the game. And there are four of them. <laughs> there are four zombie figures, and you got seven glory from killing them. I think more, because I think off of one of those, you or two, you probably got primacy. So, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's okay to abandon your objective deck if it means that you get to farm glory from the zombies. Uh, so that kind of leads us into your strategy. So we've talked about kind of some of the tech that, that you want to try and achieve. Are you trying to aggro back? Are you um, trying to play a little more passive and maybe go some something that's not as traditional right now, which is more straight objective play, and then just trying to add some of these techie tools in to kind of help you, you know, your 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 rakes and your shovels and all the stuff that you'd normally see in a zombie movie to try and fight off the horde. Are you doing the same thing? I mean, is that is that how you're approaching this? I think you're. I think you're sharpening your hockey sticks so that you got That's range right. too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the most success that I have seen players have against me is if they wait. So if they, you don't try to force the engagement. You wait for the horde to approach you. You just kind of shuffle back, and and you attack at range and and keep the horde out of position. Um, and that goes to Jason's point, like that was one of the games where if he had scored one more objective or killed one more zombie, like or I hadn't rolled Daylight Robbery, he would have won because he was able to farm seven glory from four different fighters, from four fighters. So right. 
by waiting, by hanging back, waiting for me to come to him. So, and like at, at that point, like I have no choice. Like I have to go in. I, I either need to be on cover hexes in his territory. I need to be in his territory. So I'm coming. So he was kind of, he was able to capitalize on uh, almost, I mean, on a 50-50 die roll. So, the, I mean, the play was right. The strategy is sound, is what I'll say. Yeah. And remember that when you do have to attack, you're attacking the flanks. So yeah. you want to get around the sides, especially if you got that board alignment where you're wide. <clears throat> Try to get around the side of it. Yeah. Okay. Don't go down the middle. It's, it, it's that is yeah, not that a seems safe like place a bad to idea. Be. No. Yeah. It's like a bad idea. You want to kind of skirt around. You know, and then obviously, I mean, if if you can take down Dintelos in the second by the second action phase, then you're just mopping zombies or doing whatever it is that your objective deck is telling you to do for that third action phase. Their their action economy and accuracy and ability to to disrupt you goes down significantly when Dintelos is dead. Right. If you can sever the head, yeah, you can potentially yeah. really yeah. cripple the warband. And just remember what typically when you see them across from you, their end phase scoring is either on cover or in your territory and you not in their territory. Yes. So if you're attacking the flank, even if I can't get the Danilos, I want to get a fighter in deep and then make them either have to activate Markov and come get me or stretch that zombie line to come back. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Like they're likely not they're likely not gonna stretch that zombie line because they need fighters in your in your territory. So they're probably gonna be relying on Markov and Reculus to try to take out whatever you sent in. If you can get two fighters into enemy territory, then uh that's a lot better. And we haven't seen the plus two move cards played all that much recently when this since the speed package rotated out. But maybe it's time to bring back plus two move to some of these warbands. Yeah. 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 Um so to kind of circle back a little bit on just some kind of more broad general things that you want to try and do. Um so weight is a good one. So yes. weight. Wait for your engagement or try and push somebody deep into their territory. Um, bring cleave if you can, right? Yes. Yep. Um, what about... I know that one of Jason's favorite cards ever is Acidic Strike. Like, are you bringing something like that to try and um, take off upgrades off of some folks? Or, you know, what are you, what are you thinking, Jason? Do you like that card against this warband? Unfortunately, like a Citadel Strike always <clears throat> gets put into my decks, but never makes it into the full championship deck. Um, I think it has a lot of play now, given the damage mitigation cards that are out there just in general play. But more so here, because there are a couple upgrades that Dantelos can take that really scare me, which is plus one damage on conductive minions within two, and then minus one damage on conductive di- minions within two. He also has a res card. So I think, like, if I have the range, if I have a range three attack, it's not a bad take. And then I can leverage the card in other, you know, other warbands as well. Because we're at this range, we're probably not one-shotting. 
And that's where Acidic Strike always kind of fell off, is like, it was a one-shot meta, so I was going to try to get as much damage into my deck as I could. But if I'm not playing that meta right now, maybe it creeps back up. I I don't know, I haven't tried it yet, because I haven't needed, I haven't seen a need for it when the warbands that i've been playing but it is some tech that could be out there yeah what about damage mitigation cards that you can do to to try and stymie some of the uh some of the incoming damage like if you do get if you do get caught out right and we like uh, this is uh, this always happens where you have one game where you just need one push and all of your pushes are at the bottom of your deck so you can't get out but you're gonna take you're going to take some hits. Are there any like upgrades or potential other cards that can help you kind of mitigate some of that damage if you do get swarmed? Yeah, so damage mitigation is good. You just got to make sure it's not a reaction. Right. It's got to be a flat damage reduction. So one, actually, and Jason called this one out, Painful Brilliance. So this is an upgrade. It's minus one dice from range three plus attack actions that target this fighter or minus one dice from all attack actions that target this fighter if you have the primacy token. And okay. I don't know about you guys, but pretty good. Four two wound fighters that want to be in your face seems a lot like primacy fuel to me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then the painful brilliance, you could put it on whatever fighter you're sticking up front because now Dintelos is only rolling one magic dice to try to get his stagger token on you. And then the rest of the zombies are, if you've got primacy, then the rest of the zombies are only rolling one dice. Seems that's awesome. Pretty good defensively. And they also, since they want to do, they, they want to put stagger tokens on you and also try and get get that buff for themselves. Is there anything that we can do to try and help mitigate getting staggered? Yeah. So when it comes to stagger, it's kind of hard because when they dance, they're he's going to try to hit you again and stagger the token again. But mm-hmm. you know, just as a reminder, putting on guard tokens, not cards that have you on guard but if they give you a guard token a guard token removes the stagger token plus it gives you a defensive buff right when you're being attacked so there may be some cards out there that in certain warbands that give guard tokens and they fit that play style that you're looking for um the other one that i love and i wish that there was more order warbands that that i liked to play but they have perfect stance which is an order card that I just cannot be staggered. So yeah. be really nice to put that and run somebody in and, and do some work. Just put just <laughs> yeah. put it on Gallinghand. Put him right up front. It's See? Perfect. See? Making a comeback. <laughs> making a comeback. And he goes to two shields, and he can get like an additional shield, can he? In there, yeah, another he shield? Yes, he has yeah. an faction upgrade to so, go to three shields. Yeah. yeah, so he's just, he's in there taking it. He's the dude in like the makeshift trash can armor sitting there trying to like <laughs> fight off all the zombies with his pokey stick i mean it's, it's just perfect. a shame perfect that he scenario. can't react react do damage yeah. when he rolls a crit <laughs> that's unfortunate you know the the other little piece of tech too if you have a spellcaster is quintox bubble which is a pretty popular card out there anyway actually it is used in a number of exile dead um <clears throat> builds but it's used to like Nurgle, see some play with it, and some other people too. But um, it's a gambit spell if cast. It's minus one damage on attack actions that target the chosen fighter to a minimum of one. And 
the chosen fighter has the fly trait. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about that yet. So oh, I'm just gonna say this. Yothari's a wizard. <laughs> she is a wizard. <laughs> but the fly trait is not really prevalent, and there's not a lot of cards that give it to you. There's a couple in faction ones. I think there's one um straight card outside in the universal pool that gives fly. But that's a really nice way to jump the zombie horde. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, and if you can jump that zombie horde and take off the head, then uh seems, that seems like not game over, but it seems like you've you've got a batter on third and you're trying to bunt in. Yeah, you've definitely got the, the exile dead player on their back foot if you can yeah. take down Dytelos. So so we've kind of talked about some general strategies. Are there are there war bands that you like the matchup going into these guys? Are there and and not not, not maybe necessarily specific war bands, but war bands that may have some of these key traits that we talked about. So you know, range two for example, or something like that. Yeah. Anything that you're thinking I mean, of. So Dreepers, Wraith Creepers comes to mind. You've got three okay. range two fighters, and then. Yeah, I mean, and I mean they're all on double dodge, so and they all can fly, so I think there's definitely definitely some play there. Um, we mentioned Stormrider from Xandar's Truth Seekers. We mentioned mm-hmm. um, an Anela and an Anela from Fiery's Purifiers. So yep. and then they've I mean and they've also got Ban Hanar Ban Hanar Ban Hanar Ban Hammer Ban Hammer. Van Hammer. So he's a range two and he's super tanky, a lot tankier than his three wounds suggests. Yeah, he is. So, uh, what about a Molog? <sighs> I don't know, man. I mean, the fact that he's range two helps a lot. That he can just kind of hang back and pop the zombies as they come in. I just don't know if he's going to have the scoring ability without pushing in and being aggressive. Well, but he also the thing too is you have to remember he can still move after he he can move, do some swings, and then he yeah. can charge out or move yeah. in. So he's he's got some mobility. He's not necessarily stuck like some of these other warbands. Yeah, have. and the thing the thing with the thing with Molog is you can score sudden revelation by putting the stalag quick right on the exactly boom, and then move another one, boom, flip. You got some glory going. That's true. Um, he's I mean, Stalag Squig's pretty been... defensible too. The Stalag yeah. Squig's pretty defensible too. Like he's only got two health, but I mean he's on two dodge from the beginning. And you put him in a cover hex. He's not on dodge. He's on shields. Oh yeah, two block, and then you put him in a cover yeah. hex. Listen, and if you yeah. get him in, if you Molog does get bit a few times, and they inspire, he's, he's biting for two. Look out! Nah, and and his and at that point, his sweep attack does two damage too. Oh so yeah, if Molog, he's in the middle yeah. of that horde. So. Just some things yeah. to think about. Food for thought. Jason? Um, so, like, for me, it's not, you know, when I I don't really want to steer people away from the warband that they want to play. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I just think that when you're going up against, the you know, a defining warband, you may have to play your warband a little differently. So, and I'm going to use Headcracker's Mad Bob, for example. You know, if I'm playing Headcrackers, they have a pretty passive build, right, already. Like, that's the way they've always kind of been in championship is a little more laid back, a little passive. But Tooth uh, Tooth Daka 
Daggett is like been the the linchpin of the the war band just because of how well he inspires and how well he hits. But if I'm playing into Exile Dead, I'm probably getting a weapon upgrade on to Daco and having him be at the front and then head crack up. Yeah. So with the range two, range three. Yeah. Range three, range two, getting them up and having them do work. And if I don't have a weapon up, upgrade, I'm just shooting the bow. Yeah. I'm not going to freeze myself with a charge tip. No, no. Yeah, you got to be able to run away from the ward. Right, run away. But in, more importantly, I'm playing them just a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, you know, Scape's w- Wild Hunt. Not that we see them as ask them. I was going to ask about them because Scape can move. But Scape can charge late turn one, throw yeah. his javelin javelin and hopefully take out a zombie right and then now i have scything which we haven't talked about scything but scything can work against the wonderful exiled dead you just want to have a push card tuned up so you get out of the center yeah right Um, and you want to stack as many dice as you can yes stack and swing it is not a viable option but boy when it goes off oh gosh (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean if you can take out two or three zombies in one swing it's that's gonna be pretty good and then i think we're really gonna see nurgle like i've i watched a couple of games of nurgle into exile dead and it is a thing of beauty because there's so many dice being rolled there's just so much cool stuff of damage mitigation in that yeah i like i really like that uh that matchup um and then vampires like you know, Gorath normally has been someone that has sit towards the back of the the board when the zombies have played. But now with his range two, and if you get him bloodthirsted, he can go up to five wounds. Yeah. And then, you know, the lay the sword. The Vel- sword. Vel- Vel- does get scything if you need it. You yep. have uh, Anias that has, I'm pretty sure it's fly, right? He gets yeah, fly yeah. when he inspires. But he's mm-hmm. lost. But then he's moved six when he's bloodthirsted. So. So and then, uh, Duval gets cleave when yeah. he's inspired, and he so, goes to two shields, which is pretty, pretty strong good. against. Against all that stuff. So. And then I think the the war band that's going to benefit most from this wonderful matchup, and they are order is Thundrix Profiteers. Oh. All the range fighters. All the range. (laughs) They've always loved hold objectives. That's true. And I don't don't think we've really talked about that, but I think a really good counter meta, regardless of Exile Dead, but a really good counter meta right now with all the cover and feature token hold is actually objective hold. And the Profiteers have always done it really well. And I'm talking Path to Victory, um uh what is dominant it, the position dominant position heck maybe even a supremacy yeah because thundrix has some cleave and built into some of their attacks too they do yeah, yeah. They, they do and then thunder can put up a bubble around himself so yeah seems pretty good it well does. i think uh i think we've i mean if i'm a player that's not playing all that often or is coming up onto these guys and I'm I've listened to our podcast. I feel like I'm pretty well prepared. Um 
So I think we've exhausted all of our options. So I think we're going to take a break and come and close the show out. And we're back, and that wraps up uh, this, the 39th episode of the Battle Mallet Podcast. This has been Hex Ed. Are the Exiled Dead your appalling end? Hopefully not after this episode. So they're definitely <laughs> definitely going to reshape the meta, um, so we hope that we've been useful. Um, we appreciate any feedback that you have on the episode, so we have our Discord that you can jump in there, you can comment, um, come hang out with us. We're often online. Uh, in the chatty chat chat channel, uh, hanging out, uh, doing hobby, playing video games, um, talking about playing games. Um, so join us there. You can find us on uh, Twitter. We're Battle Mallet One. On Instagram, we're Battle Mallet Pcast. On Facebook, we're Battle Mallet Podcast. Uh, and then the Discord, there's a link to join uh, in the show notes and I think in all of our various social channels. Uh, so you can find us there. Um, and then I think the only shout out that we really want to give is, uh, well, there's two, one that just came to mind. So one is the Nova open is happening. There's a championship event, uh, for Warhammer underworlds there. So you're, if in the, if you're in the, wow, really chewed that one up. If you were on the East coast, specifically in the like Virginia DC area, um, it's a pretty short trip. It's on a Friday, uh, potentially into Saturday. So you can make a long weekend of it. It's a good time. Uh, even if you don't play underworlds, um, it's, I think, you know, one of the favorite trips that I get to go on, uh, every year. Um, just good time with, with gamers and, and being immersed in the games. Um, I always feel a little bit revitalized after, um, ready to get to the next gaming thing, uh, when we get back from that. And then the only other thing that I want to shout out is, a, it's a little amorphous right now, but we know that TJ who runs the games workshop store here in Raleigh is trying going to put together, um, maybe a learning Warhammer underworld's event on a saturday at his store here in raleigh um so as soon as we know when that is we'll kind of announce it out and and push it but keep your ears out um sometime in june probably since it's may is almost over um so keep an eye out for that and then we're doing our regular rotation um you know every other monday uh here locally so if you're in the area and want to play warhammer underworlds or other skirmish games hit us up or if you're going to actually be in the area on any of those Mondays, potentially. Yeah. If you just are traveling for work or whatever, we'd love to have you. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So, I think that's it. Anything else? Closing thoughts, gentlemen? No. 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 Jason just is going to hydrate and. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep nursing this voice. I apologize for getting even more scratchy that's throughout right. the day. That's all right. We're all good. So uh, for the Battle Mallet Podcast, we are three conductive minions. <laughs> are we? I don't know. I'm we're Coil. S- if, we're, if we're minions, I'm Coil. Yeah. Uh, is that your lucky arm? That's right. I got a lot of practice with that one arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> this is Jared signing out. This is Trace signing out. Yotari's Guardians are awesome. <laughs> and I'm Jason Table Newberry. Get the hell out of here. Peace.
Battle Mallet podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. The Exile Dead, your home may, be, may qualify for solar power at no cost to you. <laughs>